When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In the world of political podcasts, there are experts, there are pundits, and then there's Tom Powell. Happy Friday, and welcome to another episode of the Second Half Podcast with Tom Powell. Remember, remember, if you're listening to this, that means you made it through another week, and margaritas are in order. And now your host, Tom Powell. All right, welcome back, everybody. As you heard the man in the intro say, this is the Second Half Podcast, and I'm Tom Powell. And the reason why you should go get margaritas this week is actually twofold. First, it's because we fall back this Sunday, so we sort of gain an extra hour, if you will, Saturday night into Sunday. And now that Halloween is over and we are officially into November, with today being Friday, November 3rd, it is now officially Christmas season. And before any of you fucking people send me a message, an email, uh, an angry letter in the the snail mail, or whatever the fuck it is you want to do to tell me that Santa Claus needs to take his fucking time because we got Thanksgiving first, I'm here to inform you fucking people of an inconvenient fact that many of you don't want to acknowledge, and that is this. Christmas season begins at 9 p.m. on October 31st. Thanksgiving, while important, is merely a warm-up meal for Christmas. That that's that's your primer. That's like, all right, we're going to get you in. We're going to we're going to prime your body to get you ready and in the mood for the holiday meals to come. Because you're going to have multiple parties. You're going to have multiple get-togethers. You might even have a company get-together. God forbid, and. You're gonna you're gonna eat your fucking ass off throughout the entirety of December. November is your prep time. This is your training time. This is, November is training camp. December is the regular season. January is your postseason, and then we just drift back into the regular year. So, because we fall back this Sunday, and because it is now officially Christmas season, I suggest you go get yourself a couple of pitchers of margaritas and tie one the fuck on. Post haste. We shan't be doing that because it's Friday, which means we will be at the bowling alley with our son yet again for Youth Bowling League every Friday night. But you guys can go get some margaritas and uh, celebrate accordingly. Now, before we get into the uh, football picks and the political news of the week, uh, a quick reminder, as always, to swing by the website. If you haven't already, that's oldhippymedia.com. 
oldhippiehippiemedia.com. There you're going to find almost anything you want to know about me, including links on where you can buy my books. I have two self-published books available in paperback and uh, ebook formats. Uh, you're going to find a link to my Patreon. I have another podcast that I do two episodes a month on that is predominantly non-political, and it's me interviewing people about their lives and about what it is that they do and what they got coming up. Uh, that's $4.20 a month for those two episodes. You can find a link at that website. You're going to find a link at that website uh, uh, to my merch store. I have over 400 items to choose from. Links on where you can follow me on the various social media sites. Links to other podcasts and newspaper articles that I've appeared in. You're going to find my blog. I'm going to start doing a blog every Wednesday for you guys moving forward to uh, to keep the website in front of you and to uh, get some more things off of my mind. As well as links on how you can contact me, support me in general, and much more. Once again, that's oldhippiemedia.com, oldhippie, H-I-P-P-I-E, media.com. All right, now that we've done the advertising and the self-pimpage, we're going to put that to the side and we're going to get into the meat of the matter. And with football season here, uh, as always, we begin every one of these episodes with my football picks sure to go wrong. Last week, I went 9-6 and six in my picks, bringing my season record to 63-51. and 51. And if somebody is joining us for the very first time and they're like, 9-6, and six, that doesn't add up. There was one game you were missing there. I don't ever pick the Thursday games because I record my podcast on Fridays, uh, usually, sometimes on Thursdays, but they always air on Friday. So I just avoid the Thursday games altogether as to uh, avoid the hint of impropriety. Somebody might be like, well, yeah, of course you picked the Thursday game. You already saw who the winner was, you fucker. Uh, no, no, I just avoid the uh, the Thursday games altogether. So 9-6 and six was my record last week. My season record is 63-51. and 51. And usually this is the part right before I give you this week's picks where I tell you a little bit about the two teams that I am most connected to, the Chicago Bears and the Indianapolis Colts. I'm connected to the Chicago Bears because I live in the Chicagoland area. I grew up in the Chicagoland area, and I'm married to a Bears fan. I tell you about the Colts because I'm a diehard Indianapolis Colts fan, but I'm not going to talk about either team this week because the only thing to talk about that happened in the last week outside of maybe a flurry of trades is the firing of head coach Josh McDaniels of the Raiders. And I I wanted to touch on that for one reason, and that is to gloat, to celebrate, to smile a little bit this morning because fuck that piece of shit. First of all, Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator for our arch enemy, the New England Patriots, for the longest fucking time. He was a failed head coach in Denver. He is now a failed head coach in the Raiders. And the reason why I hate him more than anything on this fucking planet when it comes to football is because the motherfucker was supposed to be the Colts head coach. Now, I didn't want him to be the Colts head coach, but they had agreed to terms with him. He was going to be the Colts head coach, and a couple of weeks before the season, he bows out, he backs out, leaving the Colts Colts with no chance but to scramble. Now, they got a decent head coach, in my opinion, to replace him, but fuck Josh McDaniels. Fuck Josh McDaniels and everything he stands for. I'm glad that that piece of shit is now a two-time failed head coach. And I hope NFL teams realize that he is not the fucking answer and this piece of shit never gets another fucking job as long as he fucking lives. That's my two cents on it anyway. Now, on to this week's picks. 
with the exception of the Thursday game, this week's winners will be the Chiefs, Falcons, Ravens, Browns, Rams, Buccaneers, Commanders, Saints, Colts, Raiders, Eagles, Bills, and Jets. Once again, those are my NFL picks sure to go wrong, so please, for the love of everything that is decent and good in this world, do not go bet with these picks. You are going to lose your ass. All right, moving on. Uh, If you were conscious this last week, if you were not in a comatose state, if you were not living on another planet, if you were not living underneath a rock, if you were not disconnected from all technology and spending a week in the jungles of Borneo this past week, then you have heard the news of the passing of actor Matthew Perry, who died in his hot tub at the age of 54. Um, first things first, uh, my condolences to his friends and family. 54 is obviously way too young to pass away. Uh, for anybody at any point in time to realize, not just somebody who's 51 knocking on the door of 52 in May. Uh, but I apologize, or I send my condolences, I should say, to his friends and family, not only for the passing of Matthew Perry, but for the anti-vax scum that came out of the woodwork in the wake of his passing. Now, Matthew Perry has struggled with substance abuse for many, many, many years. He almost had a heart attack a couple of years ago. He's had heart issues. He's had drug issues. And the morning he passed away, he played a couple of hours of pickleball. And then the report is that he had some type of cardiac event, which caused him to pass out while he was in his hot tub. And then he drowned in his hot tub. But it didn't stop the anti-vax piece of shit scumbag cocksuckers from coming out of the woodwork to blame it on the COVID vaccine. I actually put up an article on my website, Old Hippie Media. If you go there and you go to my blog section, you're going to be able to read the article about the passing of Matthew Perry and the disgusting response from the various anti-vaxxers on social media trying to blame it on the COVID vaccine. Um, These anti-vax tinfoil hat wearing scumbag motherfuckers have absolutely no couth and do not give a shit whose memory or whose family members they shit on in order to push their bullshit lies and agenda so if you are an anti-vaxxer out there fuck you and everything you stand for okay now i should i should correct that if you're an anti-vaxxer out there who just doesn't want to get the vaccination from yourself for yourself uh, or, or your family, and, and you don't push your bullshit lies and propaganda on other people, then good on you. You make your decision. You do what you want to do. I was against the vaccine mandates from the government uh, to begin with. You, you shouldn't be forced to take something you don't want to. But if you're going to go around and you're going to lie to people about the vaccine and tell the va- people that the vaccine is killing people in massive numbers uh, because it's giving people heart attacks and every single fucking celebrity death that comes down the fucking pipe you guys blame on the COVID vaccine, then you're a piece of shit. And that's who I was saying, fuck you and everything you stand for. Leave these fucking people alone. Tell your lies within your own little fucking threads over on 4chan or wherever the fuck it else is, uh, wherever the hell else it is that you guys get your bullshit news. And leave the normal people of this world the fuck alone. Uh, 
what really blows my mind is that most of the people who are anti-vaxxers, anti-vaxxers in this country are also pro-Trumpers, and they don't see that Trump himself pushes the vaccine. So it, it's, it's, it's an exercise in dumb fuckery, if you will. Anyway, rest in peace to Matthew Perry and my condolences to his family and friends. That is way too young to pass. And if you have a heart condition, and I'm not saying this is what did it, but if you have a heart condition, be leery of hot tubs. Hot tubs will raise your blood pressure. I very rarely get into a hot tub. And we go we go out of the country on, on, on uh, trips. We go on cruises. And I try to avoid the hot tub as much as humanly possible. I got into one on the last cruise that we went on one time with, with Renee. And we stayed in for just a couple of minutes. And that's the extent of it for me. Pool and beach for me. <coughs> All right. Let's move on to some political news because that's what we discuss here primarily is the political news of the week we're going to start here with a defiant MAGA insurrectionist nearly toppling a table in a courtroom outburst I'm going to read to you now from Raw Story a convicted MAGA rioter is heading to jail ahead of his sentencing but not before he engaged in a violent outburst during a court hearing on Monday as reported by CBS News's Scott McFarlane 34 year old MAGA rioter Vitaly Goss Jankowski, Jankowski, I'm going to struggle with that name throughout this one, was in court after prosecutors argued that he should be jailed ahead of his sentencing due to threatening messages he sent to law enforcement officials. During their presentation, prosecutors showed how Goss Jankowski publicly revealed the identities and emails of federal agents on his Instagram account and accused them of being, quote, Jewish and ultra-parasitic leftists, end quote. Gostjankowski's lawyer tried to argue that the messages, which were eventually taken down, were just a, quote, release of steam, end quote, that reflected his, quote, strong beef with how he was treated, end quote, by law enforcement officials. United States District Judge Paul Friedman, however, was not buying this explanation and ordered Gostjankowski jailed immediately, at which point, writes McFarlane, Goss Jankowski began to violently lash out. Quote, Table is nearly toppled, McFarlane writes, describing the scene in the court. He makes guttural screams and fights off agents. A computer plunges off defense table in the scum. Uh, scrum, sorry. Other agents from elsewhere in court uh, courthouse run to Judge Friedman's courtroom to corral Goss Jankowski, who is huge and strong. Gostjankowski was eventually contained, however, and was sent directly to prison in Washington, D.C. According to WUSA 9, Gostjankowski earlier this year was convicted of obstructing the joint session of Congress, civil disorder, and assaulting a police officer. And he sounds like just a pleasant chap, doesn't he? Uh, You don't like the consequences for your action, you motherfucker? Well, fuck you and everything you stand for. How's that? Okay? Fuck you and everything you stand for. I hope they throw you in prison for years and years and years, you insurrectionist, traitor piece of shit. And the fact that you had an outburst like a fucking toddler in the middle of Target who didn't get the toy he wanted is just the icing on the fucking cake. It shows everybody who you really are, you piece of shit. 
Sorry, if you haven't been able to catch on so far this morning, I'm salty as fuck this morning. But I push on. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Neanderthal bitch extraordinaire, is shocked that some of her fellow Republicans don't support her measure to censure Democratic Representative Rashida Tlaib. I'm going to read to you from Newsweek now. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's plan to censure Representative Rashida Tlaib could be torpedoed by fellow Republicans. Congress is set to vote Wednesday on Greene's motion to censure Tlaib over her response to the war between Israel and Hamas. Hold on one second. (coughs) Forgive me. Sometimes that happens, you know. You like to smoke the cannabis. I haven't had any yet today, obviously. But sometimes those costs just creep up on you. Now. It's obviously Friday. They took the vote Wednesday. I'm going to update you on the vote in just a minute, but I want to read the rest of this article for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. A little frog in my throat. How <clears throat> oh, nice for the frog. All right. Tlaib, a Michigan Democrat, drew criticism from Republicans for her statements about media reports concerning purported Israeli responsibility for hospital bombing on October 17th in Gaza. U.S. intelligence agencies are among those that have refuted accusations that Israel was responsible for the blast, as well as the number of deaths. Green, a Georgia Republican, introduced a motion to censor Tlaib over her refusal to apologize for her comments, calling her an, quote, Israel-hating, America-hating woman who does not represent anything America stands for. Now, before I go on with the rest of this article, we all know where Marjorie Taylor Greene's brain is when it comes to this. Rashida Tlaib is brown, Rashida Tlaib is Muslim, and therefore Rashida Tlaib is evil in Marjorie Taylor Greene's eyes. It doesn't matter what Rashida Tlaib would have said, Marjorie Taylor Greene would have hated her regardless, because that's what Marjorie Taylor Greene is. A bigoted piece of shit. Not all congressional Republicans, however, are sold on the move to censure Tlaib, according to a new report. Three House Republicans have voiced skepticism about Green's motion, citing concerns that censuring Tlaib would punish her for exercising her right to free speech. (coughs) Damn. Uh, Representative Young Kim, a Californian Californian Republican, can't. Damn, I gotta get that frog out of my throat. Oh shit, my phone is ringing. Who's this? Oh, um, the health insurance company from my wife's work is calling. Well, that can't fucking be good, can it? Oh goodness gracious, Ignatius. <clears throat> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Uh, okay, we're going to deal with that post-podcast. Because why not? Why wouldn't there be some type of fucking issue from that fucking company? <clears throat> All right, moving on. Representative Young Kim, a California Republican, spoke about the motion being too political and urged the House's GOP leadership to reconsider bringing it up for a vote. On the GOP call, MTG called out uh, Representative Young Kim for voting to kick her off committees after Young Kim expressed concerns that the censure resolution was too political and asked leadership to reconsider bringing it to the floor, Goba wrote. Green, meanwhile, voiced her criticism of Republican skeptics of the motion uh, <clears throat> in an X post on Sunday evening. <clears throat> of course, X is uh, what was formerly known as Twitter. Quote, I can't comprehend any Republican or Democrat, for that matter, choosing to stand with pro-Hamas, pro-terrorism, anti-Semite, anti-Israel, anti-America, Rashida Tlaib, Green wrote. And see, therein lies the under, uh, underlying thought process with Marjorie Taylor Green. Rashida Tlaib is not pro-Hamas. She's pro-Palestinian people. Rashida Tlaib is not pro-terrorism. Rashida Tlaib is not anti-Israel, and Rashida Tlaib is not anti-American. But because she's a Muslim who stands up for the innocent people of Palestine, she's a terrorist in Marjorie Taylor Greene's world. I'd bet my fucking house that any Muslim is a terrorist in Marjorie Taylor Greene's world. That's how fucking stupid she is. While the three Republicans have said they are concerned about uh, the motion, it's not known how many in total would vote against it uh, on a floor vote on Wednesday. At least one Democrat has also indicated he may consider supporting Green's motion. Quote, listen, I think once we get a House speaker here, I think the central resolution will come to the floor, and I don't think it's something that everybody should, I do think it's something that everybody should consider, said Representative Jared Moskowitz, a Florida Democrat. Shocker. He's from Florida, right? Any hoodle, <clears throat> Marjorie Taylor Greene's proposal did come to the floor of the House on Wednesday, and it did fail. And I believe that there were nine or ten Republicans that voted against it. Um, everything Marjorie Taylor Greene puts on the floor of the House fails. She has introduced multiple articles of impeachment for Joe Biden. I believe she might have introduced articles of impeachment against Kamala Harris. She's been trying to uh, in, in, impeach uh, Mayorkas, uh, one of the uh, um, department heads. She's been trying to uh, jail Anthony Fauci, and she now wants Rashida Tlaib censured. And every time she puts a fucking bill or a motion on the floor, it fails. Because even her own party recognizes how extreme she is. Even her own party recognizes how fucking stupid she is. And how harmful her positions are to not only the country, our institutions, but also their party as a whole. She is damaging the Republican Party in real time. And some of the old school Republicans recognize it, and they've had enough of her shit. Moving on to presidential politics, 
something Marjorie Taylor Greene will never be, uh, Mike Pence has dropped out of the race for the Republican nomination for the 2024 presidential election. Now, a couple of other Republicans have already dropped out ahead of Mike Pence, but this is by far the biggest name in the Republican primary so far to drop out. I'm now going to read to you from ABC News. <clears throat> no offense to former uh, Texas Representative Will Hurd and Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, but on Saturday, former Vice President Mike Pence became the first big name to drop out of the 2024 presidential, election, uh, presidential race. It's big news because of Pence's stature within the party, but it wasn't necessarily a surprise. Thanks to his low polling and fundraising totals, some on the 538 team were predicting this as long as uh, as far back as July. But if you're expecting this to be the event that finally shakes up the Republican primary, think again. Pence's withdrawal isn't likely to give a meaningful boost to any of his fellow anti-Trump candidates. Simply put, Pence's campaign never got going. Thanks largely to his high profile, he started the year polling in third place with 9% support, according to 538's average national primary polls. But it all went downhill from there. By the time he actually entered the race on June 7th, he was down to 5%, and on Saturday when he dropped out, he was sitting in 5th place at 4%. Normally, former vice presidents make for strong presidential contenders. Before Pence, six of the last former vice presidents who ran for president successfully captured their party's nomination. Richard Nixon, Hubert Humphrey, Walter Mondale, George H.W. Bush, Al Gore, and Joe Biden. But as Jeffrey Skelly noted when Pence jumped into the race, Pence's polling at the time was most similar to the one who didn't get the party's nomination, fellow Hoosier Dan Quayle. Bush's vice president sought the White House uh, in the 2000 election, but like Pence, he dropped out of the primary in the fall before the election year. Pence's main problem was that he had no base within the GOP. Of course, Pence served in the administration of former President Donald Trump, but he damaged his relationship with the Trump wing of the party on January 6, 2021, when he refused to oppose the certification of the 2020 election. According to civics polling, his net favorability rating among Republicans dropped from plus 76% points on that day to plus 44 points just one week later. And therein lies the snapshot of the problem with the Republican Party. The Republican Party is no longer about ideas. It's no longer about policies. It's no longer about uh, working across the... It's, it's no longer about anything that one stands for or doesn't stand for. It is solely about loyalty to Trump. And that's it. Mike Pence was the Republican governor of the state of Indiana, an extraordinarily red state. He was loved by Republicans. When he was picked by Trump to be his VP nominee in 2016, the Republicans went nuts for it. He got himself a strong conservative, a Christian, somebody who's going to stand up for conservative values. But the minute he wouldn't do what Trump needed him to do, which was illegally send the votes back to the states to reconsider. He became persona, persona non grata. 
he became an enemy of the Republican Party. Because if you are not loyal to Donald Trump, you are not a true Republican in today's day and age. If you're not loyal to uh, Donald Trump, you're a conservative, but you're a rhino in their world, a Republican in name only. I can't think of somebody more conservative in this country than Mike Pence, and the conservative movement just shit him out because he wasn't loyal to Donald Trump. The Republican Party has become a political cult in this country. And not until Trump is out of the picture forever will it begin to change back. It's going to take a few election cycles to get this stain off of them, folks. And it ain't going to happen in the next election cycle. That's for goddamn sure. Now, speaking of Trump and Trump news, I don't know if you heard this, but his daughter Ivanka has been ordered to testify in the New York civil case. She had been fighting a subpoena to testify, and the judge said, yeah, don't fucking care. You need to testify. I'm going to read to you now from AP News. Ivanka Trump's testimony at her father's New York civil fraud trial is being delayed until next week, so there is sufficient time for her to be questioned, a judge said Monday. Former President Donald Trump's eldest daughter had been set to take the witness stand on Friday, today, when the Manhattan trial typically meets for a half-day session, but lawyers in the case said her testimony is likely to take a full day, if not longer. Judge Arthur Engeron who last week rejected Ivanka Trump's bid to avoid testifying, said she will now appear on November 8th. The judge had floated the idea of making Friday a full-day court session, but Donald Trump's lawyers said they couldn't do that because of other commitments. Quote, I think we're all okay with Ivanka on Wednesday the 8th, Engeron said in court after discussing the matter with state lawyers and Donald Trump's defense team. The scheduling change now puts Ivanka Trump on the witness stand at the end of a blockbuster stretch in a case that threatens to disrupt her family's real estate empire. She'll be testifying hours before her father, the 2024 Republican frontrunner, holds a campaign rally in Miami near the televised debate he's skipping with rivals for the party's presidential nomination. New York Attorney General Letitia James sued Donald Trump, his company, and top executives, including sons Eric and Donald Trump Jr., last year, alleging they conspired to exaggerate his wealth on financial statements that were used to secure loans and make deals. Ivanka Trump, a former executive at her father's Trump organization, was originally listed as a defendant in James' lawsuit, but an appeals court dismissed her from the case in June, saying claims against her were too old. Donald Trump and the other defendants have denied wrongdoing, obviously. Donald Trump has called the trial a politically motivated sham. The case could strip Trump of some of his corporate holdings and marquee properties such as Trump Tower. James and Engeron are Democrats, originally scheduled to proceed uh, to precede her father on the witness stand. Ivanka Trump will now follow him as the final witness called by James's lawyers. Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump were scheduled to testify on Wednesday and Thursday. Obviously, this article came before Donald Trump and Eric Trump testified. Donald Trump has already testified in that case and, not too shockingly, admitted to signing multiple forms that were fraught with fraud. There was a financial disclosure statement that was uh, part of the evidence that was being uh, shown to Donald Trump Jr. when he was on the witness stand, and they asked him, did you sign this form? Because the form is just a lie up and down, front to back, left to right, right? 
And he said, yeah, I did. And they said something to the effect of, the, the, the lawyer said something to the effect of, did you know that it was filled with fraud when you signed it? And he goes, I've, I've probably signed dozens of these. <laughs> so you've signed dozens of financial statements that were filled with fraud. Smooth move, XLX. Way to testify. <laughs> oh, Trump himself is expected on the witness stand on November 6th. Following Ivanka Trump's testimony, the defense will start calling witnesses. Trump's lawyer listed 127 names on a witness list submitted before the original trial began on October 2nd. Some overlap state witnesses, uh, obviously. Ivanka Trump left her job as the Trump Organization Executive Vice President on, in January of 2017, joining her father's presidential administration as an unpaid advisor. After Donald Trump exited the White House in 2020, she moved to Florida. Ivanka Trump fought a subpoena to testify at the civil trial, arguing through a lawyer that the state failed to properly serve her and that she shouldn't be forced to testify because she isn't a party to the case and doesn't live in New York. She could still appeal Engeron's ruling that requires her to take the witness stand, but she's going to lose that appeal. Ivanka Trump's lawyer, Bennett Moskowitz, told Engeron at a hearing Friday of last week that state lawyers, quote, just don't have jurisdiction over her, end quote. <laughs> what they fail to remember is that one of the reasons why um, she's being asked to testify is because she's a material witness. There was a condo in Trump Tower that Trump said was worth something in the neighborhood of 40 or $50 million. Ivanka bought that condo from her father for $9 million, and the court wants her on record explaining why the discrepancy. Now I'm going to read to you uh, about Trump's response to his daughter being told that she needs to testify, and I'm going to read to you from The Hill. Former President Trump wrote on social media uh, on a social media post Wednesday railing against the judge overseeing his New York civil fraud case and told him to leave his children alone. He also argued that there uh, is enough evidence uh, for the case to be thrown out. Quote, this rigged trial brought by the racist New York State AG Letitia James before Trump and developer-hating judge Arthur Engeron, which should have never been brought in the so-called star witness, sleazebag lawyer for many people, Michael Cohen. Yes, I'm reading his words word for word. I'm not making any of it up. Admitted last week on the stand that he lied. Trump wrote on Truth Social. <laughs> Therefore, on that fact alone, this fake case should be dismissed, he added. The former president claimed in his post that the financial statements from his business were actually lower than the true value, contrary to some of the testimony presented in the trial. He also reiterated the defense's argument that there were a uh, was a disclaimer clause on the statements that the banks were paid in and that the banks were paid in full. There is no victim except me. Leave my children alone, Engeron, Trump added, addressing the judge. You're a disgrace to the legal profession. He said. Now, keep in mind that he has a limited gag order preventing him from ripping apart certain members of the court, and he just can't shut his fucking mouth. He's already been fined uh, twice for violations of this gag order, and every single fucking day he takes the truth social, and he attacks the judge, and he attacks the state of New York, 
and he attacks the uh, uh, AG, Letitia James, and he attacks everybody that's coming after him. <clears throat> and I, I don't know if he's just too fucking stupid to understand that attacking the prosecutor who's prosecuting you and the judge who's overseeing the prosecution of you isn't really a good strategy, or if this is just his way of lashing out when he's scared. But I'm here to tell you, folks, mark my words, <coughs> he's going to lose this case. He'll, he'll appeal it, and it might even take years for the appeal po- process to go uh, through, but he's going to lose this case. When it is said and done, the Trump family will not be allowed to do business in New York again, and he will not own Trump Tower as well as some of his other properties. Period. He's going to lose this case. He knows he's going to lose this case. The world knows he's going to lose this case. And when he does, he's going to be pissed off beyond all recognition. Now, thankfully for him, this is not a criminal case. This is just taking his money from him, taking his properties from him. But he has several criminal cases coming up anyway. And uh, my feeling is he's going to lose all of them with the exception of the one in Florida, perhaps. But we'll get into those in more detail as those cases approach. Um, Shifting gear back to uh, Congress, Senate Republicans are finally starting to speak out against Tommy Tuberville's efforts to hamstring our military by blocking advancements. If you haven't been paying attention, the Senate needs to confirm military promotions and advancements. Not just, you know, some private being moved up to the next rank. We're talking about the nation's highest ranking military leaders, the ones that are in charge of some very important and sensitive shit. All of these advancements have been blocked by Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville. Tuberville is blocking all of these advancements until the Army, I believe, stops paying for uh, military personnel who travel for abortion care. Yeah, you heard that right. Abortion care is what's holding up our military from having the leaders in place that it needs in critical positions, all because of one Republican senator. I'm going to read to you now from The Hill again. A group of Senate Republicans attempted to over, uh, overcome Senator Tommy Tuberville's blockade of more than 370 military nominations, marking the first time GOP members have attempted a maneuver of this kind. Led by Senator Dan Sullivan of Alaska, Senate Republicans sought to move numerous uh, promotions for military officials but were blocked by Tuberville as part of his holds that have lasted nearly eight months over the Pentagon's year-old policy that covers travel expenses for military personnel who travel for abortion care. Sullivan, joined by by Senators Joni Ernst of Iowa, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, and Todd Young of Indiana, brought 61 nominees forward for more than four hours, speaking relentlessly in support of each one. America needs to have our best players, most combat-capable leaders on the field, and right now that's not happening. It needs to change, Sullivan, a 30-year member of the Marine Corps, said on the floor, adding that 89% of all general officer positions in the military will be affected by the current holds by the end of the year. 
the Alaska Republican added that he that the holds are quote hugely disruptive to readiness and that the military has a huge readiness and retention problem saying that these holds are not uh, helping excuse me there is a growing bitterness within the ranks of our military driven by this fact, Sullivan said. The men and women in the military who had served our country so well for decades have made huge sacrifices, multiple deployments. Now their careers are being punished over a policy dispute that they had nothing to do with and no power to resolve. The idea that somehow some of these officers are woke and desk jockeys is ridiculous, he added. The group grew more frustrated by the nominee as Tuberville continued to object. At one point, Sullivan said that Chinese President Xi Jinping and Russian President Vladimir Putin were loving this exercise, adding, How dumb can we be, man? You're actually asking how dumb your own party, the Republican Party, can be? Let me uh, clue you in there, champ, about this fucking dumb. Ernst, in particular took umbrage to Tuberville's repeated claim that he wanted to go through each nominee one by one and hold individual votes on them, saying that the group was doing just that. I anticipated a man of his word would honor his word. We haven't heard an explanation, but I'll tell you, this was not wasted time tonight. I will do this all over again, she said. <sighs> this fucking guy is... I can't believe that one man is holding our entire military hostage at this point in time. But he is. Quote, we have done the best we can to honor the request of a fellow senator that these nominations be brought to the floor and voted on individually. I really respect men of their word. I do not respect men who do not honor their word. Ernst said. Sullivan said in closing that Wednesday night represented a frustration moment and that he will still remain uh, he still remained hopeful that they could figure out a way to break the holds. My message to our generals and admirals who are being held up, hang in there. Some of us have your back. We have your back. We'll be coming here every night to get you confirmed, Sullivan added. Throughout the eight-month stretch, Tuberville has been a constant thorn in the side of members of both parties who have attempted to find an off-ramp, only to be stymied at every turn. However, the pressure has been ramped up in recent weeks after Hamas's attack on Israel and increasing questions about readiness in concerning parts of the world. And that, in and of itself, right there, is what is going to bury Tuberville's holds. The Republicans are all about military readiness. And the Democrats, for as much as they like to talk, are equally concerned with military readiness and continuing to spend more money and more money and more money and more money each and every year on defense. And one man is holding up our real, our military readiness uh, on a level never before seen in this country. And that, my friends, is going to cost him dearly moving forward. Uh, he's on the verge of having a good chunk of old school Republicans in his party turn their back on him and figure out a way to circumvent his ass and then he will be persona non grata in the Senate. But this is what happens in red states. People like Tommy Tuberville wind up getting uh, elected to the Senate. Tommy fucking Tuberville, former uh, college coach, is now holding up over three. 
hundred military advancements because he doesn't like abortion. It's fucking amazing. It's it's legitimately stunning to hear how one man can cause so much damage over something that he really even shouldn't be fucking concerned with. It's none of his fucking business who's getting an abortion, who's getting paid to travel to get an abortion. It's none of your fucking business, man. It's none of your fucking business. But that's where we're at in 2023. That is, we, we no longer have a Republican Party that's interested in governing. We no longer have a Republican Party that's interested in, in the advancement of ideas, the exchange of policies. We have a Republican Party that's interested in one thing and one thing only. Burn the fucker to the ground. It's the Republican MO. They sell the voters on the fact that the, that the government is broken. And that uh, because of that, the voters need to elect them. Then the voters elect them. They get to Washington. They break government. And then they go, see, I told you, government was broken. It's the biggest joke in American politics. Well, the second biggest joke. The first biggest joke is obviously Donald Trump. But this is what the Republican Party is, folks. This is what the Republican Party is. And there there could be an avenue for a real conservative party that is not so extremely right-wing and incredibly dedicated to the loyalty of one man that could actually make a difference in this country, that could actually help the advancement of ideas. But it's going to take a minute for the people in the Republican Party who believe that to grow the balls to actually follow through with that and split off and form a conservative party. I've been saying it for a long time. As soon as that happens, as soon as we see one of these two parties split and form a second party, and it looks like the conservative movement is going to be the first one to split in this country, so let's just say we see the Republican Party split and we get the Republican Party and we get the Patriot Party, the far right-wing party. As soon as we see that happen, we're about an election cycle or two away from seeing that happen in the Democratic Party with the far left breaking off and, and forming their own party. And then we could finally see a, po- a point in time in this country, maybe, where we go into a presidential election with four to six legitimate options instead of two. And it's only when we get to that point that we're going to have a chance to actually progress this country forward. Uh, But for now, as I've stated in a million different posts on all of the different social media sites, we have a two-party system. And only one of two people are going to win the presidential uh, election in 2024. And that would be the Republican nominee or the Democratic nominee. It's not going to be the Green Party nominee. It's not going to be the Libertarian. It's not going to be some independent running. It's going to be either the Republican or the Democrat. And as you head into the 2024 presidential election, this, what I'm about to read to you, is something you should know because it should scare the living shit out of each and every one of you. I'm going to read to you now from Politico about Donald Trump's desire to start the American Academy. Donald Trump wants to revolutionize higher education if elected president. 
In a new campaign policy video, he is pledging to do so by creating a federally funded online university that awards free degrees on where wokeness and jih- uh, one where wokeness and jihadism are not allowed. Trump's latest policy proposal proposes taxing large private university endowments to pay for the new institution called American Academy. The school would grant credit to prospective students for past coursework and use their credentials to apply for jobs within the U.S. government and federal contractors, according to plans shared in advance with Politico. Trump's policy proposal comes as U.S. institutions, including top universities, have come under increased political scrutiny, most recently for their response to the deadly attack on Israel by Hamas. Prominent business leaders, politicians, and donors have criticized their alma maters and even vowed to pull future donations to schools for muddled or muted statements or for allowing pro-Palestinian speakers on campus. Quote, we spend more money on higher education than any other country, and yet they're turning our students into communists and terrorists and sympathizers of many, many different dimensions, Trump said in a video of his proposal. We can't let this happen, he added. Trump campaign officials said they have yet to decide who would run American Academy, but said they would look into uh, look to include private sector resources, and they pointed to several potential models, including oversight by an existing government agency, a presidentially appointed board or commission, or a publicly funded private entity. Now, let's just pause in the story for a moment. looked at several models as to who would run American University, including oversight by an existing government agency, a presidentially appointed board or commission, or publicly funded private entities. A presidentially appointed board or commission. So the president gets to pick who runs the university for the whole country. Interesting. Using the federal government to create an entirely new educational institution aimed at competing with the thousands of existing schools would drastically reshape American higher education. Trump would likely need to sell Congress on his plan. In his proposal, Trump calls for supporting a new educational institution by taxing wealthy endowments, which has long been a favorite target of conservatives. Trump's 2017 tax law, for the first time, imposed a 1.4% levy on the investment income (coughs) of the nation's wealthiest private universities. In 2022, 58 institutions paid a total of $244 million in tax under that law, according to the most recent IRS data. It's not clear whether that alone would be enough money to support the new educational institution, though Trump said he would also generate funding for the school by fining and suing wealthy universities as well. The idea represents a political volley by the former president on a policy field where the current president has tried to make inroads. Biden administration officials have pursued various debt relief efforts, including by offering help to Americans who have debt from college but don't have a degree. Those borrowers tend to have relatively smaller amounts of debt than those who complete college, but they're more likely to struggle to repay it. Trump, 
likewise, is targeting more than 40 million Americans who have some college but never completed their degree. His proposal calls for granting various types of credentials, including degrees, that are accepted by the federal government and its contractors. In his video, he said the American Academy would award credit for past coursework and give students the opportunity to complete their education for free. It's a contrast with Joe Biden's plan for free college, which is to essentially wipe out hundreds of billions of dollars of student low. This is a different way, a campaign official said. We need to have affordable options for college without spending trillions and trillions of dollars, they added. This isn't the Trump campaign's first foray, uh, foray into the educational policy wars. Earlier this year, Trump called for a new educational, uh, new accreditation standards, I apologize, for colleges and universities and proposed removing diversity, equity, and inclusion administrators and promoting the defense of, quote, the American and Western civilization in school curriculum. He also called for entrance and exit exams for college and universities, uh, university students to make sure that they got their money's worth and for schools to provide options for accelerated and low-cost degrees and career placement. Trump's previous high-profile effort to create an educational institution, Trump University, ended in a $25 million settlement to resolve allegations the real estate seminar program defrauded students. The idea of a national American university has been around for centuries. In George Washington's first address to Congress in 1780, he called on the new legislature to consider establishing a national university to promote science, literature, and civic education. Most recently, Republicans have called for breaking up the traditional American system of higher education, citing campuses they view as bastions of progressivism that are hostile to conservative views. Trump's rival for the GOP nomination, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, has issued similar calls to overhaul college accreditation and higher education. In Florida, he's moved to restrict state colleges from spending money on diversity programs, and he sought to transfer a public liberal arts school into a more conservative-leaning institution. Although DeSantis has praised the school, it has faced challenges in the wake of its transformation, including student retention and an investigation by the Department of Education. In office, Trump's education department moved to deregulate higher education, especially online and for-profit colleges, seeking to remove federal requirements that many Republicans argued impeded innovation among colleges and universities. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So let's talk about this for a moment. Let's touch on all of the various points here, if we could. First, Democrats have been fighting for free college for years. 
Now, when I say free college, I mean free at the point of use. We pay for it through our taxes, just like other industrialized nations do. But at the point of use, it's free. Republicans have been fighting against that. Now, here's the leading nominee for the Republican nomination, the leading candidate for the Republican nomination in next year's presidential election that all of a sudden wants a college to be free. To me, that is a stark turnaround. They also don't want other people's money going to pay for uh, people's education. It's one of the reasons why they've been against student loan debt forgiveness. Now, all of a sudden, they want to use other people's money to create the free college that they want to, uh, they want to institute. So free college and socialism, bad when Democrats say it. Free college and socialism, good when Republicans say it. Just so that we're all clear so far. Now, when it comes to rich businesses, rich people, rich corporations, rich entities other than universities, what have the Republicans fought for for years? Lowering taxes. The taxes are too damn high. As a matter of fact, after those very same 2017 Trump tax cuts, Trump bragged to his rich friends at Mar-a-Lago on camera that he just saved them a lot of money by lowering their taxes. But now Republicans are in favor of raising taxes? Specifically on educational institutions. What are we seeing here, folks? We're seeing the leading candidate for the Republican nomination call for more taxes, taking other people's money to to educate other people, and and free college. What? What? And Trump doesn't want a university where wokeness is prevalent. So what does that mean? He wants a university where he can appoint the directors to oversee the university and educate the youth of America as he sees fit. Tell them the history he thinks is the real history. Teach them the science that he believes in. Teach them the things that he wants them to believe. That, my friends, should scare the living shit out of you. I want you to think for one moment. If you read this article about a president or a prime minister that wanted to sue, fine, and tax the private universities' endowments to create a new national university that they would set the curriculum on, only the story came out of China, Afghanistan, Palestine, Turkey, Russia, North Korea. Pick a country, any country, what would your response be to it? You would you would respond in a mortified way, but holy shit, that is authoritarianism. What the hell are they doing over there? What are they are they serious? That's gonna be an indoctrination college. It is gonna be a college that is going to rival the efforts of of the Nazi regime in Germany in the 30s and 40s. We're going to educate you the way we want to educate you. We're going to tell you the things that we believe to be truth and reality. You're going to learn per our standards, not per the educator's standards. That is full-on fascism, folks. And it should scare the living shit out of each and every one of you.
So among all of the other things that you need to keep in mind before you walk into a voting booth in 2024 to pull the trigger for a presidential nominee, you need to remember this. That if we hand Trump the White House and the Republicans both chambers of Congress, this could become a very real possibility. Millions of dollars could be stripped from private endowments of universities and used to essentially brainwash millions of Americans in the form of quote-unquote higher education. Now, am I somebody that disagrees with Trump when he says we spend more than any other country on education and there's a problem? No, I, I agree with him wholeheartedly. We spend way too much. We need to make college way more affordable. Way more affordable. Now, that's going to be a process that's going to be years in the making in and of itself. So what we can start with is we can start by changing the way student loans are given out and administered. Stop doing student loans through banks and start doing it directly from the federal government and do it interest-free. You want $80,000 to go to college? You get that money directly from the federal government and you don't pay any interest on it. That's going to go a great deal towards helping people. But this idea, this sounds like a bunch of re-education camps. And it's an online university slash trade school. If you go watch his video on it, and I played a video on uh, his video on it on TikTok yesterday, he talks about trade schooling in this. You're going to learn how to weld online? I mean, maybe you can, maybe you can't. I don't know. Here's the bottom line. This is scary far-right-wing fascist bullshit. This alone should make you not want to vote for uh, Donald Trump ever again. I got 10,568,432 other uh, things that should make you never want to vote for Donald Trump, but this one in and of itself should scare the living shit out of you. So please, as we head into the new year, which is a presidential election year, remember all of this shit. And I'm going to remind you of it as we approach November, but remember all of this shit. Remember what we're voting against. You may not like Joe Biden, and he may not be your cup of tea. I wish the motherfucker never ran for office again, but he is light years better than this fascist asshole. We cannot allow Donald Trump and the Republicans to take control of our government, or we are going to slip into a full-blown fascist nation. We already have states like Florida that have slipped into full-blown fascism. We don't need it nationwide. Please, for the love of everything that's decent and good in this world, vote accordingly in 2024. All right, folks, that's all I got for you this week. Tune in next week for uh, another all-new episode. Don't forget to check out the website. Order yourself a book or two. Get yourself some merch. My new holiday merch is up. Subscribe to my Patreon. Check out those podcast episodes. Those are very good episodes. And make sure that you check back in next Friday for another episode of this podcast. And until then, as always, stay grateful.